You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us, you and me, causes us to triumph in Christ. Welcome to the How to Win. We're in my leadership edition of the How to Win. Leadership is what we're talking about, and leadership is what I want to help you to grow in and develop your capacity to lead on a high level. So I want to thank you for taking this journey with me. Now, I began recently a series entitled A Leadership mentality, a leadership mentality. And the theme that's running through this this series is how successful leaders lead or how they think when they lead, how successful leaders think. We've learned in this series that leadership effectiveness or ineffectiveness is a reflection of the leader's mindset, the leader's attitude, and the leader's belief. In this series, it's three parts to the series, and I am so excited about what we're learning. Three parts. Part one, I'm calling foundation. Part two, I'm calling concepts. And part three, I'm talking about attitude foundation, concepts, and attitude. Part one, we're dealing with foundational stones of effective leadership, foundational stones or mindsets of effective leadership. This is our third lesson. In lesson one, we talked about the servant's mentality. In lesson two, we talked about a people-oriented mentality. And in this lesson, lesson three, part one, we're talking about a, a team mentality, a team mentality. So what is a team mentality? A team mentality is when leaders understand their success is directly linked to their ability to produce results through the unified efforts of others. I say that again. A team mentality is when leaders understand their success is directly linked to their ability to produce results through the unified efforts of others. These leadership lessons are based on biblical principles. I believe that God's word is the answer for leadership too. So I want to go to a biblical text in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 24 and 26 in the New Living Translation. The historical context, let me share, a great revival have broke out in the Gentile world in a city called Antioch. 
And the Jerusalem church, this is after Pentecost, the Jerusalem church, which is the headquarters church, sent Barnabas, a leader in the church, to Antioch to, to see what was going on. When he got there to Antioch, he saw a great move of God. Listen at verse 24 through 26. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Now, think about it. A great move of God broke out in this Gentile region, in this Gentile area called Antioch. They sent Barnabas down. Now, really, the Spirit of God was already moving. People were getting saved and delivered and free. But when Barnabas came down, he brought his gifting down there. And the scripture says that many people were brought to the Lord. A revival had already broken in. He came and added to what was going on there. But notice he did something very interesting. When he found... Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus. Now, the great move is going on in Antioch. He's added contribution and value to what was already going on. And then he decided to go to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul, who later became Paul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them, now notice both of them, stayed there with the church a full year teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now notice, great move of God took place. The church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas. Barnabas came on the scene, brought value to what was going on. Many people got saved. Many people got delivered. But Paul knew that we could do more with the team than we can do by ourselves. No one can create success alone. We're talking about a team mentality. So he went looking for Saul because he felt that Saul could could add value to what was already going on. So even though later God put them together as a team, he recognized that there was value in Saul, Paul, that he could grow in this environment, but also he could contribute in this environment. So he sought him out, found him, brought him back to Antioch. They stayed there. A whole year, four year, teaching the people, and the scripture says they were teaching large crowds of people. We're teaching on, on the concept of a team mentality. This lesson is very important because the Holy Spirit, while I was pastoring, broke into my, my consciousness and brought to my consciousness this concept of a team mentality. I was on vacation on August the 17th, 2002, and the Spirit of God woke me up one night and I heard him say, team leadership, team leadership. 
He wanted me to know that it was critical to the success of our church that we embrace team leadership and team work. Now, when we talk about the importance of teamwork, I want to refer you to an author, Patrick Lenciani, in his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, communicates to us the importance of teamwork. He says in his book, not finances, not strategy, not tech, not technology. It is teamwork that remains the ultimate competitive advantage, both because it is so powerful and so rare. I can say confidently that teamwork is almost always lacking within organizations that fail and often present within those that succeed. He says that it is teamwork that gives us the ultimate competitive advantage. He says that teamwork is both powerful and rare. And then he makes this outstanding statement. I can say confidently that teamwork is almost always lacking within organizations that fail. Always, almost always lacking within organizations that fail and often present within organizations that succeed. He said teamwork is not a virtue, it is a choice and a strategic one. So from Patrick Lenciani, we see the importance of teamwork. We're talking about foundational stones of successful leadership. And we're saying that a successful leader must have a team mentality. So let's define a team. What is a team? A team is a group of people with complementary skills who are collectively responsible for achieving a common objective for their organization. Now listen to those words. A team is a group of people but just a group of people is not necessarily a team because you can have a group of people, they not be a team. But a team is a group of people with complementary skills. They have diverse skills. They bring different skills to the table who are collectively responsible. Each member of the team is responsible for achieving a common objective. Everyone on the team is pursuing this common objective of the organization. Now, this is biblical. Not only is it natural, it is biblical. Moses operated with a team. We see that in Exodus 17, verse 8 through 13. Jesus operated 
with a team. We call them apostles, the 12 apostles. You'll find that in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 19. And then the apostle Paul operated with teams of individuals. And you see at the end of his letters that we call epistles, he congratulate or salute or commend his team members. And in one instance, you'll see it in Romans 16, verse 3 through 4. Now, Andrew Carnegie says that teamwork is the ability to direct individual accomplishments toward organizational objectives. Teamwork. It's so very important to success for any organization. So a leader to be effective must have a team mentality, a team mentality. No one, I read this uh, some time ago, no one creates success alone. You're never going to do anything significant by yourself alone. No one creates success alone. I want to give you a visual because we have to dive into this later on, but I want you, we're talking about foundation in this first part. I want you to, to have a vision of foundational stones that a leader must possess in his or her thinking, a servant's mentality, a people-oriented mentality, and now we're talking about a team mentality. You can't think long ranger. You can't think I'm gifted, I'm talented, I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm trained, I'm experienced. I can get the job done. You can't think like that. In no arena will you find success where one person alone creates that success. Now, we may have leaders up front that we give credit to, but behind the scenes, there's always a team of people that are bringing to the table, complementary skills that are uh, collectively responsible for achieving a common objective for an organization. It's always true. Think about it. Jesus, the greatest leader on planet Earth, who's ever walked this face of this Earth, saw the importance of a team. In fact, in fact, after leaving the wilderness, after 30 years of preparation and this uh, anointing in the Jordan River, after being baptized, after moving out into the wilderness, being tempted, and then leaving that wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he did was to develop a team, to pull together a team. He called Peter and Andrew, and then he called this one, and he called that one, and Matthew, and, and he called this one and that one, and he put together a team. Jesus had a team mentality. 
He didn't see himself as a long ranger. So I want to paint a, a picture now in the remaining time that I have with you today. I want you to see what a great team look like. The law of vision says that if you can't see it, you can't have it. We're going to talk about vision in the future. But the law of vision says that if you can't see it, you can't have it. So what does a great team look like? In fact, that should be one of the primary goals of the leader is to build a great team. There are three characteristics of a great team, three characteristics of a great team, three characteristics of a great team. I pastored a great church and you know, success is relative. So I believe my son now as the lead pastor of Faith Chapel would take the church to a whole nother level. I believe that with all my heart. And he's already doing, he's beginning to do that already. But one of the keys to the, the level of success that I achieved as a pastor is to have a team, a large number of teams in the ministry who were uh, bringing complementary skills and uh, collect, were collectively responsible for the vision. So what does a great team look like? three characteristics of a great team. Number one, great teams combine talent, relationships, and innovation in a variety of ways for the purpose of achieving a shared goal. I'll say that again, and then we'll unpack it. A great team combines talent, relationships and innovation in a variety of ways for the purpose of achieving a shared goal, a shared purpose. Great teams combine talent. By talent, I mean that which each member brings to the table. Each team member brings something to the table. They bring talent. That would be their skill set, what they're good at. That would be their experience. That would be their perspective, their work ethic, their personality, talent. They bring that. Great teams combine talent, but they combine talent with relationships. Relationships is the way team members connect and behave toward each other, the way they connect and behave toward each other. And then great teams combine talent, relationships, and innovation. Innovation is thinking creatively, staying fresh, effective, relevant. So number one, great teams combine talent, relationships, and innovation. The second major characteristic of great teams is that great teams manage dysfunction, friction, and strong personalities. They manage 
dysfunction, friction, and strong personalities. I, you know, I I love uh, sports, and I'm a sport enthusiast, and I I I I came up in the under the area in the NBA of the the Chicago Bulls, and and they were a great team, uh, and they uh, achieved a lot in in their era. But on that team, there were Michael Jordan and there was Scottie Pippen and there was Dennis Rodman and there were other individuals. And there was strong personalities on that team. Strong personalities. But the coach, Phil Jackson, understood something about great teams. Great teams manage dysfunction, and they had some dysfunction. They met, he, great teams manage friction. They had some friction, and they had strong personalities. And, and, and maybe that's where we miss it sometimes in our organizations, in our businesses, in our ministries. Sometimes we miss it because we embrace a myth, a myth. You see, 100% camaraderie, 100% harmony and agreement is a myth. There's no such thing as having 100% camaraderie, 100% harmony and agreement. Whether it's a family or whether it's a church or whether it's a business, whether it's an organization, you are not going to have 100% camaraderie, harmony and agreement. I had this myth, I embraced this myth early in my ministry, and I didn't want any conflict. <clears throat> and, and sometimes I view strong personalities in an improper way, but I didn't understand that there's no perfect setting. There's not going to be a perfect family, it's not going to be a perfect church, perfect business, perfect organization. Well, this for-profit, non-profit is just not going to be perfect. And so great teams don't have that expectation. And leaders don't have that expectation. Effective leaders do not have the expectation of everything being perfect. But listen, great teams, they manage dysfunction. They manage friction, and they manage strong personalities. In other words, great teams know how to be successful in adversity and in friction. It's not going to go away, but you manage it. The third characteristic of a great team is that great teams capitalize on differences. Remember, we said a team is a group of people with complementary skills, different skills, bring different talents to the table. They're bringing different personalities, different perspectives to the table. But great teams, thirdly, 
capitalize on differences. How? They capitalize on differences through, number one, communication. They make sure everyone is on the same page when it comes to the vision, the values, roles, expectation. Clarity is so very important, and clarity is always connected to communication. They capitalize on differences through understanding and appreciating the significance of differences. The significance of differences. Now follow me. In my left hand, use your imagination now, I have a key. In my right hand, use your imagination, I have a lock. The key fits this lock, but the key is totally different. And it is understanding and appreciating the significance of the difference. Because if you had two keys, you can't have success. And if you had two locks, you couldn't have success. But we have a key and a lock. And the key fits the lock. But it is appreciating, if we transport this analogy to leadership, it is appreciating and capitalizing on differences. In other words, different simply mean different, doesn't mean wrong. And I understand the significance of the difference if I'm going to capitalize. But thirdly, acceptance of differences, giving others to be who they are in their essence. Everybody should grow, but not trying to change people who they essentially are into our image. We don't want to change. We want to accept people and give them the right to be themselves. That's how we capitalize on the difference. And then we respect others and their difference. We respect them by seeking their input. They're different, but we want to seek their input. We want to listen to their perspective. And then we want to allow their perspective to impact our decision-making. That's respect. Alignment is how we capitalize on difference. That means adapting our behavior and our personality to work with others. We adapt our behavior. We adapt our personality to work with others. For example, on every team, you have assertive people and you have reserved people. Well, alignment means that the assertive people have to adapt their behavior and the reserved people have to adapt their behavior to work with others on the team. So for the reserved person, this person may need to speak up more, confront more, adapt your behavior, not just sitting back, being quiet. You have to adapt your behavior and speak out on issues, confront situations. And then the assertive person may have to back up some may need to be quiet and listen.
Alignment is when the teammates adapt their behavior and their personality to work well, and they encourage each other. So the assertive person is going to encourage the reserved person to speak. Give us your opinion. The assertive person is going to be quiet and listen. And then the reserved person is not going to just totally lean on the reserved person, but encourage the assertive person to speak. Don't need much encouragement, but respect that, that personality bent. So each person reserved and assertive is adapting their behavior and their personality to work. And then finally, trust. How the great teams capitalize on differences. That's the third characteristic of a great team by communication, understanding, acceptance, respect, alignment, and trust. Choosing to see the best in your teammates. Choosing to see the best. Choosing to believe the best in others. And, and that's how you capitalize on differences. So in conclusion and in review, there are three characteristics of a great team. Great teams, number one, combine talent, relationships, and innovation in a variety of ways to achieve a shared goal or shared purpose. Secondly, great teams manage dysfunction, friction, and strong personalities. And then thirdly, great teams capitalize on differences. Now, we have talked about the foundation. This is part one, foundational stones uh, that leaders must possess in their thinking. They must possess a servant's mentality, a people-oriented mentality, a team mentality, and we're going to conclude part one on foundations by talking in our next episode about a sacrifice mentality. You don't want to miss this. Listen, I pray that you have a great rest of the week and I look forward to seeing you uh, next time.